0: Today we enter into a very intimate portion of Scripture. It's the Upper Room Discourse, and it begins in John chapter 13. Join us, Truth For Today, with Pastor Phil Howard, next. (laughs) The scene doesn't get any more intimate, and the discourse any more deep. John chapter 13 begins what we call the Upper Room Discourse. And as we begin, we begin with Jesus doing something quite remarkable. He sets the stage for the rest of the few chapters in the Upper Room with something that is really staggering. He stoops to make us clean. He washes feet. He becomes a servant. A lesson to be learned for sure. Here's Pastor Phil Howard as we begin today's broadcast of Truth For Today. In John 13, in the first 11 verses.
1: Well, we begin John 13 through 17, which is maybe the holy of holies in Scripture, when the Son of God, within 12 to 14 hours of his death, uh, lays down at least six things that he wants them to remember. One, I don't want to go to heaven until I've made sure you're clean. That was uppermost on his mind. Two, I'm not going to go back to heaven until I leave you a model of what love and leadership look like. And we'll look at that next week. Uh, Thirdly, I'm going to send you the help you need because everybody in this room is going to fail me before the night's over. Judas will betray me, Peter will deny me, and the rest of you will run from me. Everybody in that room that he was going to build a church out of was a war shout on that night. So he said, I've got to send you help. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, I'm concerned that you'll be fruitful while I'm gone. And so he gives them that great teaching of John 15. You can only be fruitful if you abide in me. Then he said, one of the main things you're going to need while I'm gone is you'll need to stay in touch with me. And the way you'll do that, I'm going back to be with my father, but I'm giving you the gift of prayer in my name so that you can get everything on earth you need by coming The Father through me. Finally, in John 17, he says, Remember this, I will never cease praying for you the 2,000 years I'm separated from you. For I will not only be praying for you, but I'm going to be praying for those who are yet to be saved and who will believe on you. Now we go into a little narrative here. In which Christ is going to sow the full extent of his love. And the cost, it, the cost it brought to him to love us and to make us clean. It's really a parable. The meaning is on two levels. You've you got to get this. It's a two-level meaning. If it's only washing physical feet, uh, any dummy... Could figure it out. He he wore his feet. A guy is culturally insulted. You cannot wash my feet. Uh, If you don't, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. And boom. That's just you don't even need the Holy Spirit to figure that out. But notice what he said in verse 7. What I do now, you won't realize. But you will understand hereafter. Hereafter when? In heaven? No. After the cross. After his ascension, after his resurrection, you'll understand, once I get back to heaven, what's happened in this room. You won't get it now. And he uses language like uh, verse 10. He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. Is he saying uh, all of you haven't taken a bath? No, no. It moves to a spiritual meaning. That the clean are those who have believed on him. It's a picture of those that are saved in the room. They will fail miserably, but they're saved. Have you ever failed him since you've been saved? I don't have to leave him to still fail him. I've done plenty of failing as a believer. But there's one of you in the room, you're not even clean. You have not even believed in me. You've never been born again. You've never been justified. You're not my own. Because the devil has had his way in your heart. And so there's a double meaning here, not spiritual versus literal interpretation. No, he literally tells you in the narrative There's some meaning here deeper than what you guys can get in the room here. But later you're going to pick up what I'm saying. Let's look at the scene. And then I want to give you four ways Jesus is cleansing his people today. Okay, because I'm going to focus on this first sermon on he comes to be a cleanser of men. And he's willing to touch our dirt. He's willing to come in contact with our dirty lives in order to get us clean. And the cross cost him his life because he took on the contamination of sinners and let God make him sin for six hours. It's always costly to get people clean. It's wonderful to have your baby's diaper changed, but somebody's got to be willing to get dirty. It's wonderful for sinners to land in heaven clean. Oh, I'm clean. I'm dressed in the robes of righteousness. But this scene is showing us what Jesus had to do to get you clean. He had to get up from where he sat. He had to kneel down. He had to strip off two garments on his outer person, the outer robe, an inner garment, he was stripped down to the loincloth of a slave. The Jews said in the Midrash, no Jewish slave will ever be asked to wash feet. It is an insult to the Jewish mind to think that Messiah would ever stoop to worse feet. And it was also the thing that's kept Judaism for 2,000 years. I cannot accept the fact of a bleeding, dying, sacrificial Messiah. I want a king to reign, but I don't want a lamb to die. And you might be in this meeting today, and you like a little bit of Christianity, but you've never been to Christ for the cleansing ministry he has, and you have to be cleansed in order to go to heaven. He says something in verse 4. He got up from supper, laid aside his garment, taking a towel, he girded himself. Peter never forgets this because he tells the elders in 1 Peter 5, gird yourselves to serve. And he's quoting right out of John 13. He says of Jesus, what Jesus was thinking in this hour. Verse 3, he knew that the Father had given him all things into his hands. He knew he had all the authority being vested in him by the Father. So he's confident right here, 15 hours from the cross. I've got the Father's good pleasure and authority is being entrusted to me. I'm not doing this out of weakness. This is majesty stooping. This is God the creator stooping voluntarily, willingly, not subjugated by a Roman sword, not subjugated by the Sanhedrin. I do this of my own voluntary choice. Nobody could get me off the throne in heaven to Bethlehem had I not wanted to. He was not raped and he was not mobbed to get to the cross. He went there on divine assignment on the plan he and the Father and the Spirit had made before the foundation of the world. He said, I know where I've come from. I know my divine origin." I've been called a demon-possessed man. I've been rejected in John 12. Their eyes are blind. They don't know who I am, but I know who I am. That's an important lesson for us. Everybody else might be wrong about who you are. Do you know who you are? Knowing who you are in Christ is the most important thing. Don't let your boyfriend, girlfriend, the culture, the peer pressure determine who you are. I am what God says I am. And then he says, and I know I'm going back to God. I'm looking beyond Calvary. I'm looking beyond the tomb. I'm headed somewhere. And knowing this, I get up. I shed my outer garments. I stoop. I begin to pour the water. And I begin to wash dirty feet. Now, in the process, he comes to Peter. Now, now here's the thing. Why didn't one of the disciples get up and wash the feet? You're in the room and custom demands that a slave normally came with the rental of the room, would be there, and they would be dressed sparsely. They were in a servile role, and they were like non-members of the party. Who are you? had to be a Gentile for the Jews. And, uh, but there's something that Luke 22 says, that while they were walking into the room, an argument broke out among the future leaders of the church. You'll never guess what they argued about. Prophecy. Eschatology. You can't even spell it. You don't know what I just said. Soteriology, hypostatic union, Trinitarian. No, 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 they're beyond that. They got in a fight over who'd be the greatest among them. Church leaders never fuss about, they fuss over titles, they fuss over position, they fuss over pay. They, you, you'd be amazed how many churches have split over nothing worth spitting at, it's just a bunch of ego. Nobody wanted to yield to the Spirit. All went their way. You know what? Don't look pious at me because I'm talking to you. This is human nature unchecked by the Spirit. Where do I get to part? You know, Ted Montoya had a little sign he painted out there, Staff of the Month. I never did qualify. (laughs) I'd pull up, be searching around here trying to find. I thought, I'm the Staff of the Month. Get out of the way just didn't work that way. I always want Sandy McNeil at all of our church uh, functions, parties, because she grew up in a wonderful black church where the pastor and first lady go first. Around here, I just got to muscle in anywhere I can. You folks don't let me go first. You say, get in line with the rest of us. You think you're better? I'm saying, Sandy... Get the bishop to the head of the line. I'm starving. God sent Sandy just for me. Because I've had a lot of folks pray I'd be humble. Not a lot of them that I succeed. But Jesus, Jesus, look at him. I'm facing the cross. And uh, Peter, uh, you wouldn't his feet. Thomas, you didn't offer it. Nobody's going to move. That's beneath you, but it's not beneath your Messiah. I'd like to wash your feet. Of course, Peter said, no, 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 no. The greater shall not serve the lesser. I've got that figured out. Don't you touch my feet. Jesus said, Peter, really, you don't know what you're saying. You won't have any inheritance, no partnership with me if you don't let me wash you. And in wonderful Peter. Well, man, if that's what it means, I'd pour it on. Although, no, no, no. See, it's loaded with meaning. No, no, no. In an oriental culture, you took your bath at home. But when you walked to your guest house, you were walking through streets that had animal waste, garbage. Uh, if it was rainy, you were only wearing open sandals. So that's what... And then... When they came for the meal, it wasn't Leonardo's Last Supper scene. All sitting at a table, they weren't sitting at a table. They were laying, leaning on the side in a circle. And so, you better be sure the next guy's feet aren't in your face. They usually went that way, and you're leaning like this. You went around a table. The feet weren't under it. Ta- the feet were right out here, and then the next guy. And so. Somebody has to wash these feet. You may have walked through animal waste, garbage, urine. Who knows? This is first century Palestine. Dirty streets, poor footwear. And the only one in the room that volunteers to do it is the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The creator of the whole, he's the one that took and made a mud pie and formed it into a man. And he just, said, breathe into him the breath of life. You know, Adam was made out of dirt. That's what you're made out of. Ask the skin worms. Get rid of all the embalming that just put you in the ground. Let's see what the skin worms think you're made of. Dirt. But the breath of life was a divine, whoosh, is breathed into him like that. It's terrible for dirt to be stuck on dirt, isn't it? How we get stuck on ourselves. Now, what is Jesus saying? I want to cleanse you, men. I want to wash your feet. And we will see next week. I want to model to you what your Lord, how He serves. Some of you are too proud. To ever be used of God. We already know that. And guess what? Don't worry. He'll shelve you before he'll use you. God resists the proud. He gets his work done through the humble. He gets his work done through those willing to stoop. Those willing to do anything. As long as he gets the glory. And some of you have never got over that. Uh, I love the story of the newspaper reporter. That went to a uh, Uh, leprosy. And while they were there, uh, they came. He saw these open running sores with people with Hansen's disease. And uh, he was repulsed. And he walked up to one of the uh, missionaries and said to them in a sarcastic way, I wouldn't do what you're doing for a million bucks. And the missionary just looked at them and said, and neither would I, but I would do it for Jesus. I'd like to ask you, what would you do for Jesus you wouldn't do for money? What would you do for Jesus you wouldn't do for any other reason? But Christ told me to clean out the toilets for the church. Christ told me to do it. Christ is Lord. If he can stoop, I can stoop. If he can serve, I can serve. And if he's willing to wash dirty feet, I'm willing You know, physicians have always got to be willing to run the risk of getting the disease they're trying to cure. Because as you come in contact with a patient, you might get their disease. But Jesus said, I'm willing to come in contact with all the dirt in your life, and it will cost me my life, and I'll take it to the cross. He took your diseases with him to the cross. There's four ways that this cleansing foot-washing Jesus cleanses his people. The first way is the bath of regeneration. He calls it taking a bath of regeneration. He cleanses his people in initial salvation. Titus 3, 4, and 5 says, We have been saved by the mercies of God and through the washing of renewal by the Holy Spirit By whom you've been justified. When God initially saved you in divine salvation language, he gave you a thorough bath to wash you from all the dirt of your unsaved life. He told the Corinthians something in 1 Corinthians 6. Look at it. It could eliminate many of you from going to heaven, but read it anyway. Look at it. Look at 1 Corinthians 6 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, in case you think that's some ambiguous term and, well, I'm not unrighteous, he fills in the detail. He he doesn't want you to be dumb. Do not be deceived. And our culture is neither fornicators. Well, man, we just eliminated all kinds of people. That's sleeping with somebody you're not married to. Nobody's doing that. Are you kidding? And and here in, in Corinth, it's a Greek city. Sex was just something like eating. There were no sexual mores or boundaries. So sex, everybody, come on. Man, we don't have any Christian Judeo ethic here. Come on, we're... We're we're Greeks, and you're immoral to the hill. They said, well, go ahead. You're just not going to heaven. Uh, Nor idolaters, and man, they got temples all over Greece when you study. Nor adulterers, married men sleeping with married women. Nor effeminate men that teach themselves to be feminine, that they may be male prostitutes nor homosexuals, those who like to have sex with their own sex, men and women, nor thieves, nor the covetous, uh, which I want more, I want more, nor drunkards, nor revilers, talking down people, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Well, he just eliminated everybody at the church. This is how they grew up. This is how they grew up. Now watch this. Such were some of you. And you don't have to look at me. But you know you were listed. Such were some of you. Now notice he didn't say such are you. Until this becomes past tense. You're not going to heaven. He said, well I'm still that. Well. We'll love you in the meantime, but you're going to hell. This is the lifestyle of someone that doesn't know God. But you were. Anybody looking at the text, you're supposed to shout out. Shout out to the pastor. And if you're from Oklahoma, it's washed. But it's washed. I know I've been corrected. But you were washed. And what? But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. What did he wash you in? He washed you in the results of the cross work. That's like a scrubbing bath, and he scrubbed you and scrubs you. And honey, what you thought was so steeply stained in you, your immoral life, your bad life, your vulgarity, oh, your tragic back. In a moment, he said... Uh, Come together, let's reason, though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. And in one trip, he just scrubbed you, scrubbed you, scrubbed you, and all of a sudden you come up from putting faith in him. I grew up on altars, so I came up from the altar. I felt like the cleanest boy on 15th and cutting that night. I said, oh, my land. I remember my dad and sister driving through town. I got down on McDonald. I'll tell you, McDonald looked good. Hotel Don looked good. Everything in Richmond looked good that night, because I'd got my eyes back.
0: And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.